Good morning to you all. Oh, man, the first crowd was so much more alert than you. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's better. How many came from out of town today to get here? Well, hats off. I hear the roads are horrible, so good that you came. You are dedicated. That is so awesome. Another question, how many of you have had the death flu over Christmas? I had the death flu. Well, I'm a man, so it felt like the death. <laughs> and I was in bed whining as much as I could, but it didn't help much. My wife, oh, she takes care of me good. She's a good woman. Uh, anybody have that stomach flu? No? Yeah, that one's going around too. Well, I had read an interesting stat last week, and it came up by Stats Canada. And uh, we'll pray in a moment, but I just want to kind of lay the foundation with this. Stats Canada said that our charitable giving in Canada is going down. Now, that covers churches and every other charity in our country. And uh, here's the thing that kind of was the most disturbing. Baby boomers, as they have followed us in giving, our giving has stayed about the same in percentage. Uh, builders who are parents of them, about the same. As you get into, let's see, that would be, how old's my wife? She's at the bottom end of baby boomers. You get under 50, and there's been a trend reversal. Now, 20 years ago, those that were 25 and under gave a certain percentage, that's dropped. Those 35 and under, that's dropped. Those 45. What's happening is, and I'll be as polite and kind as I can, that there is a change at foot in Canada about what kind of hearts we have. Now, you could say, well, there's a moral decline, there's this decline, but I would argue one of the biggest changes is there is a heart change that's happening. People are becoming more and more self-righteous, self-interested, self-elevated, narcissistic. It's all about me. It's not about my neighbor. You just look how easy people get offended today. I mean, years ago, we used to joke with each other so much because we usually didn't get so offended. But there's been a heart change going on. And I would argue that this is concerning. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at your scriptures, the Bible, Lord, I just pray that there might be some ideas and thoughts in people's heads about why they are the way they are or they excuse some of their behavior. Uh, would you tear down those strongholds, those ideas and thoughts built up against a true knowledge of you? Would your Holy Spirit come here now today and help us to look in the mirror at ourselves this first Sunday of 2019? And as we heard from our junior high youth pastor last Sunday, may we truly be a transformed, changed people. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray these things. Amen. So, a bunch of our life groups in the last few months have watched a preaching series from Gateway Church by a pastor, Robert Morris. And his series is called The Blessed Life. And I say that to you because the essence of today's sermon is from his messages. He has seven sermons altogether. I'm only going to do three. And... Uh, 
So, of course, I've looked it over and made it my own sermon, but uh, I had some elders that say and some members say, let's just show a video in church. And a lot of us, as we consulted, thought, well, I don't know if people would want to come see a video. So I said, no, I'll rework the material. And just for your information, it takes me twice as long to prepare a message that somebody else has done as it is to prepare my own messages. Because if I'm going to be authentic and genuine, I have to do the proper legwork and studying and try to get into the head of what the other guy was saying so that I will come across genuine and not disingenuous. And so it's a lot of work, but uh, the elders agreed, and I agreed, that this stuff needs to be heard because we have a hard issue. And whether we like it or not, it's creeping into the church, and I could tell you that it is creeping in the church. And I will also say that I prayed in December that our church's finances would be in a good way so that you wouldn't think that I'm just all about money here. This isn't a sermon about money, but the text that I'm going to go to, people always refer to money in it. It's not there. But I want it to be in a way that our church was doing well financially. By the way, December was our largest giving in my 10 and a half years here, in December, biggest December giving. And so we as a church, thank you for giving, we as a church are okay financially. So you need to understand, I'm not preaching this out of some desperation because I don't know if I'm going to get a paycheck next week. I'm not worried about that. I prayed that prayer and God answered because I believe he wants you to know it's about your heart. And things are changing in our society and the scriptures call us in the church salt and light and we need to get out there and show what being generous being caring, being giving, is about. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 as we start looking at a few passages, just three different parts in Scripture, and I might make a few references here and there. But Matthew chapter 7, of course, in Matthew this is following some Sermon on the Mount and uh, the Lord's Prayer and things like that. Uh, But Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, says these words. Do not judge... Now listen why you shouldn't, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, what you sow, what you behave like, how you put yourself out there, it's going to come back in the same way. After the first service, I don't know how many people came to me and said, have you ever met those people? They go from church to church and business to business, and they keep having the same problem. And I said, oh, yes, I've met those people. And they always ask themselves, why do I always run into horrible churches? Why do I always have a horrible boss? And the truth is, look in the mirror. There's a common denominator, and it could be you. It could be me. Judge not, or you too will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. These are two important points that hopefully we can plant our feet upon and start walking out of this church being what Christ has called us to be. Now turn in your Bibles to the sister passage in Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 37. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 37. Same words. 
do not judge or you will be judged. Now listen to the reason why, or it keeps going on. Do not condemn or you will not, or you, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. You see within those four nice sentences, there is a reaping and sowing. There's a, well the world likes to use the word, there's a karma that goes along. I saw on Facebook this last week, somebody was posting a theft in town, and underneath it they wrote, I believe in karma. Even the world understands this principle. As you behave and treat and act and, and do, it will be good, given to you. A good measure, the text goes on to say, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Neither one of these two texts from Matthew or Luke ever mention money. Although it could be implied, it could be inserted, but this isn't about money, friends. These passages are talking about our hearts and our attitudes and the way we behave and, and we wonder why our life is such a misery around us. Now, granted, I've seen very nice people have bad things happen to them. Don't get me wrong that way. We are in a sinful world with sinful people. I sin sometimes too. I mistreat those around me sometimes. So don't get me wrong. But it's amazing how people don't seem to get the correlation and the connection that if I'm generous, people will be generous to me. If I'm kind to others, people will be kind to me. If I'm judgmental to others, people are gonna be judgmental to me. There is no men money mentioned. So I have a question for you. Anybody that's been here for the last 10.5 years, how many times have I preached about money in the church? Anybody wanna guess? In my 10.5 years, any guess? It's been mentioned, but not by me. I've actually preached about money, I, I think. So when I first got here, I used to do a series of three sermons tied through time, your talents, and your money. So one of those was money, and I did that for three years, and then I didn't. And I believe I've preached about money maybe two more times. But if people ask me, how often do you preach about giving? I would argue that I preach about giving every single Sunday. You see, the passages here aren't about, about money, they are about your heart, about whether you're generous or not. Notice the middle passage we just read. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. I honestly seldom hear sermons that mention these middle words, the consequences or the, the, the law of nature that God has put into place. In fact, when we think about giving, when we think about somebody talking about giving, we think about money. And that's not what giving is necessarily about. You see, I can't preach about grace. Do you know what grace is? God's riches at Christ's expense, Jesus dying on a cross. I can't preach about grace without talking about giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I can't preach about marriage without talking about giving, that any good marriage will have a couple that's generous in forgiveness, generous in action, generous in love for each other. I, I can't preach about getting along in the church without each of us giving and being gracious 
to each other. You may say that all the church wants is my money, but I want to focus us today on the fact that God wants your heart. It's not about your money. Our church is doing okay. Like it or not, though, money and how we spend it does reflect our hearts. In fact, I would argue there's a string attached from my heart to my wallet. And if I was to look in your bank account, I'm guessing that I would see what you have a passion for. Maybe it's the golf course. Maybe it's a sled. Maybe it's a mortgage. You like a big house. Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What did he mean by that? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart. Now, if you were to put money in a stock, you're probably, let's say you did it last week, you're probably on your phone right now because of technology, and you're probably looking up, how's my stock doing? And I would argue the reason you're checking that is because that's where your heart is. That's where your treasure is. If you want your heart in the kingdom of God, if you want to see goodness and good things happen in this world, then our pocketbooks should reflect that, shouldn't they? In these verses, though, he's talking about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Whatever you give, you're going to get back. It is better, with this reasoning from the scriptures, it is better to give good things than bad things, wouldn't you think? Friends, it's about our hearts. I remember a few years ago, I had a couple come to me, and they sat across from my desk in my office, and they began to tell me they're horrible kids, and they, they wanted to know, what can I do, Pastor, to these children? They scream and yell at each other all the time. They even swear cuss words, and I, I can't seem to tell them to stop. In fact, I yell at them to tell them to stop. And I asked a really stupid question, because the reaction I got wasn't good, and I said to them, how do you treat each other? to the couple. Oh, and one of them got quite indignant, and they said, what does that have to do with how our kids behave? I'm not kidding, that's what the person said. How does we talking and yelling and swearing at each, how does that affect our kids? Given it will be given to you, a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. Let's jump to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is an awesome book, and in these verses, we're going to see four ways that you can kind of help yourself not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Really insightful, good four points, I think. And I didn't write the points, so I can say that. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. Speaking to the Israelites, if anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be, now he's talking about the poor, those that are around us, our neighbors, our friends, do not be hard-hearted. It's your heart. Or tight-fisted, greedy, and holding on to stuff towards them. Rather, the text says, be open-handed, Freely lend them, 
Whatever they need. When you look at the book of Acts, and we're going to start a series in the book of Acts in February, you will see a transformation begin. When people come to a relationship with Jesus, when they comprehend everything that Jesus did on the cross with them, when they understand the love that was poured out to them, they begin to share. Well, some sell land to help to those who don't have any money. Uh, some lend out food. Some lend, have people over into their house that don't have houses. It's a beautiful thing that happens. Verse 8, rather be open-handed, freely lend them whatever they need. In other words, number one point, deal with your heart. Dealing with your heart means own up to it. Admit that you're maybe be a, a little bit greedy on the inside. Maybe you're a little bit hard-hearted. You're, you, you come up with excuses. Well, there's lots of jobs in Grand Prairie. Surely anybody can get a job. Look at me, I got a job. I work hard. They've wasted their money. They don't know how to manage their money. They, they uh, on and on. What excuses do you have? Verse 9 goes on to say in chapter 15, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near so that you do not show, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. Now, what, what he's referring to here, the seventh year, they had a year of jubilee in Israel, and every seventh year, any debts that there were in the nation were zeroed. Wouldn't that be nice? You just bought that new semi-truck, $200,000 borrowed. You had to get a set of trailers for it. That's another $200,000. I'm probably low on all that. Can you imagine? You just bought them six months ago in this year of jubilee. And you get to, now, now flip it around like this text is saying, you, you're told to help and lend to the poor and give to the poor. I come to you and I say, hey man, I, I just lost my job and I'm starving to death. My family needs some food. And you're going, oh, it's a year of jubilee though. I'm not gonna lend them anything. I'm not gonna get anything back. I'm gonna have to forgive the debt in six months. Do you hear the context here? Notice as the text goes on, they may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. Did you know that wicked thoughts and greediness and selfishness is a sin? The issue here is the seventh year debts got canceled out. So people didn't like to land that close to the canceling time. Friends, selfishness is wickedness. Greed is sin. If I were to ask you this morning, why did God create giving in the church? Why did God create giving in the temple? Most of us would answer this question with, well, it's to support God's work. It's to help those in Africa. That's what it says. Let me give another statement. Do you really think God needs your money to support his work? God who created the elements to create the money? Is, is it like in heaven he's got a power bill coming due? And you're going, well, the church and the work. No. Do you think God needs our money? Do you think he created giving for him? I would argue this morning that he created giving for our hearts. He created giving for us. It is the most wonderful antidote to greed and to sin. 
Do you think God gets excited when we give to get? In other words, if I were to preach a sermon and say, well, now, if you give to this church, God is going to multiply tenfold your money back. Do you think God would be in heaven going, oh, good, Anthony's giving this morning because he's so greedy, he wants more. You think that's what giving is about? For the record, ladies, we men don't like to share our food. My wife and I went through a drive through Wendy's last week, get up to the thing, and I'm going, man, I'm going to get me one of those nice chicken burger things and some fries, maybe some cheese on them and some bacon. Sorry, it's close to dinner, and I'm, it is 12. You guys are all hungry. I said to my wife, what would you like? And she goes, well, maybe we could share a salad and, and maybe some fries. And I'm going, can we buy two sets of fries and two salads and two burgers? And I'm just going, uh, like, ladies, we're just not that great in sharing. I admit that. In fact, I want my own fries, and I want all the fries that fall in the bag after that, right? The empty bag. <laughs> so, friends, we need to deal with the selfish heart. Number two, we need to deal with a grudging heart. Uh, we can't be so tight-fisted and hard-hearted. Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 10 goes on to say, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart or a grieving heart, some translations say. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you. Did you hear this? Because of this, when you give not with grudgingness, not with stinginess, God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. This is not giving to receive. This is not even about money. This is about your marriage, your family, your church, your friends. This is what it's about. It's about our country, literally. Selfishness, friends, attacks us before we give. And a grudging heart attacks us after we give. Like, well, why I shouldn't have given that. My car is going to break down. Or, or have you ever had that where you've given a huge something to somebody and your transmission goes and you go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have given that. Now, if I gave you $1,000 to hold on for me this week and I was going to go to the bank and get $1,000 and see how many would jump up, be happy to hold my $1,000, but I didn't do that. But if I was to give you $1,000 to hold on and then Wednesday I phoned you up in the morning and said, do you mind if I come by and get $20? I need to go for lunch. I have a question for you. Would it be hard, would it be hard for you to give me that 20 bucks? I hope you'd all say, no, no, not at all. Why? It's because it's my money, right? It's my $1,000, it's not yours. You see, God wants your heart. He wants you to understand that he's the one that's given you everything. He's the one that's created the heavens and the earth. And, and friends, it's about developing your heart with a proper attitude of understanding where stuff comes from. And so we need to, number three, we need to develop a generous heart. And here's how we do it. Verse 14 goes on to say, supply them liberally from your flock. I'll try to put it in context today. That be from your oil tanker, I don't know where. Supply them liberally from your pantry in your house, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to them, listen to this, this is important. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. 
He's given you a thousand bucks, and some days he calls for 20 for a neighbor, for somebody in Africa, for rising above in our city that helps those that have just gone into the horriblest of self-harm. We are born selfish and born again generous. Do you believe that? We need to renew our minds and not conform to the patterns of this world. We need to discover who we are in Christ. We have been changed, transformed. We are new creations, new creatures. The Holy Spirit, God himself has entered into the Christian and he's speaking to you, he's empowering you, he's changing you. And you wonder why you feel like a round peg in a square hole. It's because you keep living like the world. Watching my grandchildren this Christmas, oh my goodness. So they know each other a little bit, but I have one set that lives in Abbotsford and some that live here. And they're around the same age, four, three, two, one, that kind of age. And uh, I noticed something really interesting. So, so the four-year-old would have a pile of toys over here and the three-year-old would have a pile of toys over here. The three-year-old would look over at the four-year-old's toys and go, hmm, I would like that. So the three-year-old would go over, grab the toy, pick it up, and run back to their pile. Guess what the four-year-old, I mean, I thought the four-year-old had had an eye poked out or his arm cut off. And he ran over and he grabbed three toys from this pile and took them over to his pile. Friends, we're kind of born into this. This is sin in the world. It's kind of, and anybody doesn't believe that. I, you might like newborn baby. Oh, they're so sweet and innocent and they smell so nice most of the time. But they can be so selfish. I mean, they cry. They want their diaper changed. My little granddaughter, Una, she cries if she just has a little bit of a wet diaper. And I'm going like, like, just put up with it. Just, come on, be tough. She doesn't listen to me. I've said this before, and let me say it again. We need to hold on to Jesus real hard and hold on to all of our stuff loosely. As the pastor who preached this series, and we'll get into this next week a little bit more, he said that when he's preached these series, he's even had people go out and downsize their houses when they understand how greedy they've been and they free up money so they can be more generous to those around them. And I have known people that after hearing messages like this, they, they start lending stuff out. Oh, it's nerve-wracking, isn't it? I've always noticed people that are nervous lending stuff out, it seems to always happen to them that something gets broken. If you don't care, it's like, I don't know, maybe for me I just don't remember because I don't care. My dad was quite generous and I'm quite generous and I just lend stuff out. It gets broken, it's God's stuff, right? It's his 20 bucks. It's not mine. What God is saying to all of his children, when are you ever growing up? When are you ever growing up? In some point, you have to grow up. We're not four-year-olds and three-year-olds with piles of stuff. And I watched my daughters beautifully try to teach my young, immature grandchildren how to be generous. Fourthly and finally, we need to develop a grateful heart. This is part of the process. Own it and then start to develop it. Verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt 
and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. Now you're going, okay, well that was Israel, they were in Egypt, they were slaves. What does that have to do with 2019? When I moved to Grand Prairie 10 years ago, I ran into an old friend from Fort St. John. Now I say friend loosely and I'll tell you why. He came to me and he said he was a Christian now and I was like so surprised because I hung around the same circles as him. And in grade eight, he was the only guy I ever in all of my school years had a fight with. Now, I might be opinionated, I might be aggressive, but I usually don't start punching you. But I did in one case. From my recollection, I beat him up. And I remember saying, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I said, I was, I was nasty and I was mean and I reacted badly. And he's going, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, in grade eight when I beat you up. And he goes, oh, the way I remembered, I beat you up. <laughs> but then he began to tell me a story of his life. Now, this is one of my peers, one of my friends. He ended up in a horrible drug and alcohol addiction place. He ended up with a couple of marriages that failed. He had children by four or five different women. And he was getting his act together now. He was starting to feel the Holy Spirit change him and transform him and, and move him into a new creation, a new change. But I, I walked away from my friend and I went, oh God, I need to remember, I once was a slave. And you redeemed me. You died on a cross for me. Jesus Christ, at 33 years of age, he didn't just lend me his saw or, or, or build my house for me as a carpenter. Jesus actually gave up everything and died on a cross so that I could have life. He took the punishment of my sins. He did a kind of weird flip inside my soul, and, and he made my soul start to be renewed and transformed. And part of that, as you read the scriptures, is I am a new creation who, just like the Holy Spirit in me, I should be generous. And if you're not generous today, if you're struggling with greed, if you're struggling with hard-heartedness, if you have all sorts of arguments and excuses why you are the way you are and why, why you'll never help, well, I lent people money and they took advantage of me. It's not your stuff. What does it matter if they break it, steal it, or never give? What does it matter if it's a jubilee year? We once were slaves. So in conclusion, point number one, deal with a selfish heart. Own it. It's what we're born into. And God does not need your money, but you need to be generous and nail your greed head on. Number two, deal with a grudging or grieving heart. Be generous, for it's not our stuff anyway. Number three, develop a generous heart. Be generous. It's who you are becoming. It's who you are to be. And number four, develop a grateful heart. Be generous by having the right perspective that God has given you. God forgave you. You once were slaves. Now you're free. Be free and be generous. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, 
as I read those statistics last week, I already knew a month ago I was preaching this message, but I thought to myself as I read them, this is so timely in our country. Our country used to have a, at least kind of a foundation of biblical teaching where, where people understood that, that, as the Bible says, we need to consider others more important than ourselves, or, or the biblical teaching that we need to forgive or we won't be forgiven. The Lord's Prayer, uh, we read that over and over years ago in school. But something's taking root in our society. And this concept or idea that it's just about empowering me and everything I deserve and that I want. And I'll be generous. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, but I won't be otherwise. Lord, help us to understand the sowing and reaping. Help us to understand that when we judge others, <laughs> judge us twice back. There is a spiritual principle that goes around in this world. And this is ever so much more important when we consider the DNA that's been placed in us at the cross. When we were born again, when we said, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Holy Spirit who is in us, would you shine light. Would you put a mirror up to our face? And God, we determine this day that we will be, in 2019, a generous people because, God, that's who you are and that's who you desire us to be. And this, God, will make the world a better place. And we can say this is the meaning to life. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.